whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. Welcome back to the Maybe the Plan podcast, episode 126. It's been, I think, 10-ish days since our last podcast. So let me kind of recap what's been going on. So I was in Clemson for a couple days and was surprised with a trip to go down to Florida, Seagrove Beach, stay in a condo for a week and just relax on the beach. So I don't know if the ring light's going to do it justice, but hopefully I look tanner than the last podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, um, I have there's it's really been an interesting time to take about a week off because not much has happened until the car ride home where last night I was with my brother who's probably not watching. But if he is, what's up, man? Second, he posed an interesting conversation. It's going to be our second topic on this podcast. But today we're going to talk about the breaking news within the National Basketball Association with Bradley Beal. We're going to talk about where CP3 or why CP3 should be in a bidding war with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to talk about who can stop Kansas City in the NFL at repeating as Super Bowl champions. So that's going to be episode 126 today. So we're going to start with a breaking news story from Adrian Wojnarowski. Bradley Beal's being sent to the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Durant once again for all you super team guys out there. It's another it's another experiment. We had the Golden State run, we had the Brooklyn Nets experiment, and now we have the new experiment down in Arizona. Bradley Beal's being sent to the Phoenix Suns for Landry Shamit, Chris Paul, and multiple second round picks. And also, Chris Paul is potentially going to be sent to contender as part of a three team trade. So there's going to be some suitors. Los Angeles Clippers have been noted as one, but I'm going to give some suggestions later. So let me get my mic adjusted, and here we go. I don't like this trade. I really don't. And I I really like Bradley Beal as a player. We're going to go through some things that I just I don't think this is going to work for Phoenix. And Miami was also a part of this. So before I was going to talk about the actual trade happening, I didn't think it was going to happen today. I'm recording this on Sunday night. I got home like two hours ago. And so my proposal to you guys was a question of the style over the substance. And I think Miami would have had to give up a significant amount. It doesn't look like Phoenix gave up too much in many people's eyes. But there was a present problem for Phoenix, and there was a problem I saw with Miami that could have been a big issue. And it's this issue of depth. And... I think for Phoenix's case, it's very much style over substance. It's always and you when you drive by that crappy house, it's like the meme with the really cruddy home, but there's a Lamborghini outside. And not saying that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant aren't fantastic superstars, but I think for Phoenix, their problem in the postseason, and I think we said it on the show, was can Phoenix have somebody like a Cameron Payne? Maybe it's an Ish Smith step up. I don't even know if Ish Smith's still on the roster, but Phoenix's depth was very questionable, especially with DeAndre Ayton wasn't performing like you wanted him to. Chris Paul was hurt. So Phoenix's bench was very stretched. It was stretched very thin. And so you bring in a guy with Bradley Beal who's going to command. He's a $250 million guy. He's going to command a lot of money on a consistently early basis. And I think for these super teams, they have the stars, but I think they also have these small players that go unnoticed. The Warriors had guys like Sean Livingston, Iguodala. They had Draymond Green. They had guys that weren't commanding all the attention, not like Draymond Green doesn't. But you have guys that aren't going to score 26 a night, but occasionally, like the Nuggets in the finals. And we'll get to them in a second, but just to more focus on Phoenix here, their bench was stretched so thin 
that if Duran or Booker both had off nights, or even in that case, if they were both on, they had to perform at the highest level possible because there was nobody else to put in that production against a Nuggets team that had guys coming off the bench like Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Christian Brown. They had guys in the, in the farther corners of their bench like DeAndre Jordan or Reggie Jackson that they could pull from and be valuable assets and be able to produce on the floor. This is a big reason why the Nuggets were such a mismatch against the Heat. Yes, you have guys like Jimmy Butler, you have guys like Bam Adebayo, but on the on the surface, there's this matchup of Nikola Jokic versus Jimmy Butler. For me, it was Denver's bench versus Miami's bench. Yeah, those undrafted guys are great, but at some point you're going to run into guys with experience, with just this confidence, this air to them. And I think for the Suns, on paper, it's it looks fantastic. You get another offensive piece that can score over score at least 25 points a game. You add to this machine that is Phoenix being a contender in the West. But I think at the same time, where is Phoenix going to build this roster? I'm going to show you a tweet that I have saved for this special occasion by Kevin Smith, and it talks about just that. So I'm going to pull this up right here. This is by Kevin Smith, NBA. The Suns that are under contract after this trade are DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Cameron Payne. That's it. Five players. You need more than that. And Phoenix, I imagine, is not going to have a ton of money with a guy like Kevin Durant, a guy like Devin Booker. Bradley Beal's commanding a lot of money. Are they going to find a way to trade Aiton and get players? They're going to try to find a salary dump situation, restructure some contracts here. But I think for the Phoenix Suns, it's a lot of style. And not a lot of substance. And I think that's going to hurt them. They're going to probably wow people in the regular season. Not everybody's going a million miles an hour. It more favors an offensive team like Phoenix will eventually be. I don't see well, a lot of willing defenders, much other than Kevin Durant, on that starting five. It's going to be really interesting to see how this Phoenix roster, along with Frank Vogel, tries to find different players that complement these three superstars and build depth to be able to compete with teams like Denver. Golden State's going to be around. Those are the three in my mind that are going to compete for a title, but out of those three, Phoenix has five guys and they're stretched thin. Now, obviously, they're going to add some guys to the draft. They're going to add some guys through free agency, but where? They're not going to really have the pick of the litter if they can't pull out of their wallet something to appease some of these stars. So I could see it working out, but right now I'm not entirely a big fan. So on that other side, you have a guy like Chris Paul, who 38 years old, Injury history in these last couple playoff series stretches where 2022, they get beat by the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think Chris Paul was entirely healthy. I know he played because there's that big meme of him cutting the lead from 45 to 42 with a big three. But in this series, Phoenix was already stretched thin. Chris Paul, who was 38, gets hurt, can't go at it. Not really what you're looking for. So the Suns decided he was the piece that was going to be shipped out. He can still play basketball, though. He can still play a really valuable level. He's averaging 13.9 points and 8.9 assists. I think that's really valuable, and I think that while there's been a lot of reports that the Clippers are going to be suitors, I think that this old NBA rivalry between Boston and L.A., they need to go into a bidding war, and there's been talks. I'm going to give my points for both sides. I'm going to start with the Lakers. I think you have an aging roster and I'm all bringing another aging point guard doesn't work. I think both of these teams have the rosters capable. If they're able to retain some of these guys, keep guys like D'Lo, keep guys like Austin Reeves, LeBron and Anthony Davis show that they're able to stay healthy throughout the course of this playoff run. If they can replicate that and add a guy like Chris Paul, who brings in playoff experience, finals experience, and be able to 
nurture some of these younger players that they've built. I think LA actually did a fantastic job in the trade deadline, getting some of these guys, develop, developing more of these players. Rui Hachimura is going to be really good developing moving forward. I think D'Angelo Russell hit a little bit of a slump, but I still think he can play valuable basketball here. You bring in a guy like Chris Paul, who's been paired with LeBron in terms of not only friendship, but wanting to see that materialize on the court. That'd be something really fascinating, a guy that can... He can shoot. He can obviously 14 points a game. He can create his own offense, but I think the nine assists is crucial. You take the pressure off of LeBron needing to be this point forward distributor. You are able to feed Anthony Davis in the paint. He can dominate certain matchups. I think Chris Paul would provide a valuable presence, not only for Darvin Ham, but this Lakers roster that's young in certain areas, but aging at the top and their superstars with LeBron and Anthony Davis. You could look at Chris Paul as this one final push before we see LeBron potentially go play with the son or Anthony Davis take the reins over for this Lakers franchise. Cause I think he's proven he can stay healthy for now, but there's always going to be that big question mark. And I know my argument with, and what with Phoenix's reasoning is, Oh, Chris Paul's too injury prone to keep him around. Let's send him to an, in- an entry riddled Lakers team. If this Lakers team can stay healthy and bring in a guy like CB three, I really like it. I really like it for the Celtics. And I think their problem for the last two years, and you've seen them get in certain spots, like guys like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, I think turnovers have really killed this Boston Celtics team because you have a guy like Jalen Brown brings the ball up, tries to create his own, tries to drive in, and he can't dribble to certain areas. And Miami was able to extort that in game seven. I think he alone had five or six turnovers that were just embarrassing for Celtics fans, for him, especially when Jason Tatum went down with that ankle injury and is hobbling from back and forth across the court. You realize, okay, if you had a guy like Chris Paul there instead of maybe a Marcus Smart, for example, who's able to set up these plays, maybe get Jason Tatum in a certain corner spot and be able to just let him do catch and shoot, not have to create his own offense by driving to the paint. Because we've seen in the playoff series against Golden State, we've seen against the playoff series against Miami. It's why these series get extended. There are certain times with this Boston team, they reach these peaks, but they also reach these just incredible lows. Like they're digging themselves in the holes that they don't need to. Six games against the Hawks. Seven games against the Sixers team with struggling times, struggling at times, and beat in Harden, and a Doc Rivers that's historical for blowing leads, and a Miami team that on on paper, Boston outclassed in every single way, but Spolstra had these guys doing their thing. And you also bring guys like Kyle Lowry, who can come off the bench and provide valuable scoring. You got guys like Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, who provide great shooting off the bench. I think for Boston, if they can get a guy like CP3 and maybe sacrifice some Marcus Smart, you bring in a guy who's got virtually the same attitude of he plays tough basketball. He's going to be able to get in guys' face. He's going to be able to be a presence on the team. He's a respected veteran in the NBA. Bringing a guy like CP3 to a less than verbal duo in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you can probably still have that presence and keep guys like Derek White, who's really played his best basketball since being traded to Boston and Malcolm Brogdon, who was really just his offensive game was really just limited due to his elbow injury. I think he had something torn in the beginning of the Eastern conference finals or close to the end of the Philly series that really limited his game. So I think if you're the Lakers and the Celtics, this is a way to continue the rivalry, get no bidding war for Chris Paul, make sure he gets to one of those destinations. And I think you've got a team that can make a push for the finals. Okay. So McGregor, if you're listening this this far into it, congrats. <laughs> but we're going to have a conversation of who can stop Kansas City in the NFL. And I actually had this conversation for an hour in the car with my dad and McGregor on a nine-hour car ride back to back to home. 
And so who can stop Kansas City? And you're going to have multiple answers. They're unstoppable. It's this team. It's that team. But I think we have to start. We're going to go division. We're going to go small. We're going to go conference. And then they're going to give you my pick. So within the AFC West, no one. <laughs> and that's the short answer, but I think I'm going to explain it. I think I've said this on the show. I thought that the, the Chargers and the Broncos were going to do very different things than they did. In the end, Chargers made the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to. But it ended up they they might have they might as well not have because of the way that it ended in dramatic fashion in Jacksonville. I don't trust Denver. I really don't trust the Chargers. I want to see. There's a lot of see it to believe it now with Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos team. I think they've got the right coach, but I think that it's at the wrong time necessarily. They could easily turn it around and win ten games, but I don't think yet they can compete with Kansas City just because of I think the Nathaniel Hackett thing set them back for a while. And it could be one year, could be two years. Sean Payton's definitely the right guy, but it's just not the right moment yet. And we'll see. I, there's a lot of questions I have about Denver that I think Sean Payton's going to come in and answer. I just have to see it. And for the Raiders, Josh McDaniels is a mess of a coach. We've seen this in Denver. We've seen this with his previous year in Las Vegas. They're bringing in a new quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who I don't even know if he's physically cleared to play. So there's that looming question mark of who's going to be the Raiders quarterback. But at the same time, you have a court a coach that nobody necessarily can get behind nor trust. So the AFC West is a big disaster. I'm going to go through my top three teams in the AFC. I think could do it. It's Buffalo. It's the jets and it's the Bengals for Buffalo. There's been a lot of news about Stefan Diggs and this apparent not falling out, but there's this rift between Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo bills. And I've actually heard a couple things that, Sean McDermott may not be the most pleasant person to work with. And I think he gets results, but it's another one of those stubborn defensive coaches. You have guys like Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott, two of those in your exact division going up against coaches like Mike McDaniel, who bring in this spark and this pizzazz. And it seems to be like the players really like him. But I think for Diggs, I don't know if it's Josh Allen's erratic play or the way that the season ended. It really ended in a disappointing way in the snow against Cincinnati. The Bills weren't able to get anything done on offense. It felt like they were running three same plays, 10 different ways. And Cincinnati was able to dial it up and really keep Josh Allen contained. I don't think this means that Stefan Diggs is going to out of nowhere tomorrow request for a trade. But I think it's something to watch for is this relationship. But I think something also you need to watch for is Josh Allen's play. Is Josh Allen's erratic Brett Favre-like play? Is it a bug or is it a feature? Josh Allen... 2020, 69% completion percentage, 10 picks. It's not a bad year. Josh Allen in 2021 and 2022, this past season, he's dropped six points. He's got a 63 completion percentage, 14 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, excuse me, 14 interceptions and 15 interceptions in back-to-back -back years. Is that a bug or is that a feature that we've seen where Allen continues to make these mistakes where he thinks he's got to do too much? Allen is an unbelievable talent who can make all the right throws, but I think sometimes he can, thinks he can make that extra throw that shouldn't be made. Maybe it's into double coverage. Maybe it's something down the seam that he doesn't see, but I think sometimes his just, just gunslinger mentality gets him into trouble. And I think that against Buffalo and Kansas City, if you're going into Arrowhead and you start throwing costly interceptions, it's going to get the best of you. For the Jets, it, it really, my only note here is Aaron Rodgers. How much do we believe? And I know on this podcast, I've been a noted Aaron Rodgers, not hater, 
but I've never really been my his biggest fan, and he probably doesn't even know. <laughs> but the Jets have all the talent roster in the world. There were multiple times last year when they had like all the opportunities to win and just did not have the right quarterback in Zach Wilson. I think the Jets understood that, and they made the right move of trying to be aggressive and going and get a guy like Aaron Rodgers. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of like my mentality with the Chargers and the, with the Broncos. I just have to see it, really, and I don't have a great reason as to why, but I think with Aaron Rodgers, he had a bit of a decline in his play last year, and for his standards, that still wasn't that bad. But you go into a team, there's a lot of young receivers. Rodgers hasn't been noted to be very patient. It's a Jets team and a Jets media that's going to really hound him if they drop maybe one game that they shouldn't, two games that they shouldn't. I think that this Jets team is going to be a playoff team, but I don't know with that young roster if it's there just yet. I could see him going to the AFC Championship and maybe there's a mistake made against Mahomes. I just don't know how much I believe personally, but I do think they're a playoff team. I do think they're going to be contending for the AFC East. I just have to see it. And for the Bengals, how much is Joe Burrow going to be protected? They have every piece imaginable. On the defensive line, they added Miles Murphy, who I really like. Corners are a little bit to be desired, but I think the Bengals have proven that in time and in big situations, time and time again, they can really step up. They're the team that I feel the best about in this situation, despite their glaring offensive line problem. Now they did add Orlando Brown Jr. in the offseason, who was a big addition. They spent a lot of money on him. And they've really spent a lot of time and effort retooling this offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. And it just hasn't worked out as of recently. Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl sacked multiple times. Joe Burrow in last year's AFC Championship sacked multiple times. Can they protect Joe Burrow? It clearly doesn't phase him. We got a guy like he's Joe Cool 2.0. But in the AFC Championship, there were multiple opportunities where the Bengals had multiple chances to win those games. And the offensive line couldn't hold up. Maybe Orlando Brown Jr. is that solution that it puts a little bit of a band-aid over a big giant hole. And we'll see if that can hold for maybe a season or two and see if we can get Burrow, Higgins, and Chase a Super Bowl. But I think the Chiefs have, and this is the point I'm trying to make with all these teams. I think the Chiefs and the AFC, they are the most complete team. They were able to retain everybody and they present they're a team that to me presents no glaring flaw that makes me go, oh. I think receiver, they're going to add a guy like Justin Ross, who at Clemson was an absolute stud and has just been battling injuries. They're going to be fine. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Andy Reid. So even who they have out there, there's going to be a scheme in place. There's going to be a game plan with that mastermind of ad coach. Defense, Steve Spagnuolo is an absolute genius. He's going to be able to get his guys to rally. He's going to be able to get it done. They're, they don't need to be spectacular for the Chiefs to win either because Mahomes is going to put up electric numbers every season. So the pressure is really off. It's really all on him. But in that case, you want it to be. He's your $500 million quarterback. And for me, I don't think anyone in the AFC can stop him. My safest pick is the Eagles. Now, maybe you think, oh, the 49ers who are going to be back and they'll have Brock Purdy this time. Okay. I... Uh, I know the 49ers are probably the mo- one of the more more talented rosters in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts, I think it just comes down to quarterback. Jalen Hurts versus Brock Purdy, who are you going to take out of those times? And I think Philly also has a very easy path to do the number one seed in the NFC because they have this division that is always such a confusing puzzle. I don't know what the Giants look like in year two with this new look Daniel Jones. We'll see if the pieces of the Giants add are worth the investment on their new $40 million a year quarterback. 
And the Cowboys, I think, actually are the third best team in this conference, especially with the departure of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't trust Minnesota either. I just want that to be out there. But I think with Dallas, you have made some unbelievable moves, might have had a top three offseason in the NFL. You add a guy like Stefan Gilmore for nothing, Brandon Cooks for nothing. You get that extra weapon to take the pressure off of Dak and CD and Pollard. But in the end, I just don't trust McCarthy in those situations. And I think for Dallas, they're not going to win this division. Philadelphia is going to win the NFC East. That's that's just my pure thought on that. And they're going to have to win three straight road playoff games. And with Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, can you trust Dallas to win three straight playoff games with one of those potentially being in Philadelphia? I don't think so. And so I think Jalen Hurts, you're the best. You have the best situation in terms of quarterbacking in the NFC besides Kyle Shanahan. And I think that Philly, they're doing things beyond Jalen Hurts to make them better. They have really drafted very, very well in the last couple of years. Just this one example right here, you lose Javon Hargrave for a lot of money to San Francisco, but you get cheaper and you think you potentially get better. You get guys like Jordan Davis last year, and then you add Jalen Carter, who big question mark, but on the field, his talent is undeniable. And if Philly with Howie Roseman, with that system in place, with you got just so much to go for there. Those are one of those spots where you go, that's a, that's a place where he needs to be. So with Sirianni. So I think that Philadelphia with Hurts continuing to develop, they have a very easy path to the Super Bowl and they could potentially get the Chiefs once again. And I think that a lot of what Philadelphia was doing on February was working. It's just a matter of, can they stop Mahomes? So I'm give me Philadelphia as the best team who has the best chance to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. So guys, thank you for that podcast. I hopefully don't sound a little too scramble brain. I'm just fresh off of vacation. So my brain's been shut off for a while. So I'm hoping to, happy to get back into the swing of things with podcasting. I've got some great series that I have planned coming up. Be on the lookout for all that and more. Guys, thank you as always for tuning in. Let's get to 20,000 listeners before the end of June. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.